Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, January 2nd, an obvious start. Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there. Hopefully you are all enjoying those final few moments of vacation. You're gearing yourself up to begin what is obviously going to hopefully be a great new year for all of you, a great new decade as well. And of course, with the turning of the calendar means the beginning of another tennis season. Tennis, one of those rare sports, it's 52 weeks long. The second that calendar turns from a professional note, you get ready for the Australian Open and all that comes with the ATP WTA seasons underway on the challengers and futures level events galore. And of course, with January starting, it means the start of the college dual match season. And that is obviously something we are all so excited for here at Cracked Rackets, and in fact, something we have been doing to help get you listeners ready for the 2020 dual match season, our College Contender Series, previewing the top 10 teams from the year-end rankings in 2019, breaking down those rosters, talking to the head coaches of each of those teams so that you will be ready for this season. You won't be caught surprised when you see different teams rise and fall, and of course, helping me do that, helping me preview those teams on the Mini Break Podcast have been my two favorite guests to talk to when we talk college tennis. I'll start with the man himself, your favorite writer on CrackedRackets.com, where he has been writing up an article for each of the teams we have talked about in the College Contender Series. He is, of course, also the co-host of the Wednesday mini-break episode with Jamie McDonald. I affectionately refer to him as Matt the Cracks the Koyak. Matty, uh, welcome back to the mini-break, and Happy New Year, my friend. Ah, oh, appreciate it, man. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm excited for 2020. Uh, it's always good to get a fresh start. I think uh, I think it's going to be exciting. So what better way to kick it off than talking a little college tennis with you, man? Oh, absolutely. There is no one I would rather kick off this new year with podcast-wise. There is someone I would rather have than this next guest, but we would just look stupid at this point if we bring didn't bring him on. He is, of course, the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. N- uh, predictions never far from the listed UTR and, of course, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Hallioris, our newest member of the Crack Rackets team. It's official now that it's 2020. Welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast, and, of course, it is always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, more of a pleasure for you than me, I'm sure. But yeah, glad to be there. Uh, some things never change regardless of what decade it is and no I mean look it's the college holy trinity at Crack Rackets this is the group I love to be with when we're breaking down these college teams as we have done all along th- all along throughout this college contender series and before we get into today's team West off give me that college contender sound effect please Look, guys, we have gone, I think this is our eighth team. We have talked about teams 10 through 4, and now we get into that top three range. We get into those teams that were really elite, you know, at the at, throughout the entirety of the 2019 seasons. Teams that, well, maybe not the number two team, but we'll get to them next week, but teams that we could really see competing for a national title this year. And to kick us off, Maddie, you want to tell our listeners who we're talking about today? The Ohio State Buckeyes, baby. Let's go. Ty Tucker, man. 
Oh, what a – by the way, we uh, – for our listeners, you may have already seen on our Cracked Interviews podcast, Chris and I released our conversation with Coach Tucker, who is now a multi-time appearer on our Cracked Interviews podcast, one of the most enjoyable uh, personalities in the sport, whether it's his dry wit, his sarcasm, his intensity, all of the above. Chris and I joked around with him that, you know, even while interviewing him, I, I told him straight up, there are some questions I'm afraid to ask you, Coach, because I thought he was going to jump on me. But obviously we have done those Cracked Interviews companioning pods for this one and the place we always start out you guys know the deal by now you know the questions we're going to ask Matt my first question to you when you look at this Buckeye team and the way they finished 2019 particularly given the way they started last season you have to think there's a sour taste in their mouth from the end of last season yep yep no question about it I mean that loss to to UNC um, in the quarters of the NCAA tournament they, they, there's no doubt they left with a sour taste, man. I mean, a lot of people were picking them to win the whole thing. They were number one for most of the year. As you mentioned, they, you know, roll through national team indoors, obviously the big 10, like they always do. Ty Tucker's the master. Um, so they had a phenomenal year. I mean, they lose three matches overall. They had a little blip, uh, mid season. They had a road trip. Um, I think it was A&M and Texas that they lost to, I believe JJ Wolf might've been out for those. Um, and they lost a couple of matches on the road, but look, they bounced back. They steamroll through the Big Ten. Um, but that loss to UNC, it, it was a tough one because a lot of people were picking the Buckeyes to win the whole thing, you know, up there with like a Florida and those types of teams. But I mean, really, when you look at it, it was an unbelievable year. I mean, they were the number one team almost the whole way through. As you mentioned, only three losses on the year. They go 32-3, and 11-0 in the Big Ten. They take home their 14th straight regular season Big Ten title, 19-0 and at home, 7-2 and on the road. You mentioned those two losses coming in a swing in Texas without J.J. Wolf. And, of course, the big thing, a thing Chris and I were both at, they won the national indoors last year. They were undefeated through March, and they did look like, particularly through the indoor season, the team to beat. And not only were they the team to beat, but they were the team who had the best player in all of college tennis last year in their number one player, J.J. Wolf, who put together a 35-2 and season, 27-1 and during the dual match season, that one loss, coming to my boy Andrew Fenty of U of M, but still, you know, they win the Big Ten Conference title as well. Such a great season for the Buckeyes. And yet, Chris, when we talk to Coach Tucker, you know, you'd think maybe there's a little lingering. You'd think you lose guys like Martin Joyce, Hunter Tubert, who were stalwarts of this program the past couple of years, and then of course, in a guy in JJ, who I think all three of us will agree was ready to turn professional. And yet, I don't know, Coach Tucker did not, it didn't seem like there was any lingering resentment and or lingering resentment's the wrong word. It didn't seem like, you know, he wasn't, he's, he's not still harping on those results, right? He seemed ready to flip the page to this new season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's, he's ready to go. Uh, obviously losing, losing JJ Wolf up top is, is, is a big loss for them. But, you know, as, as you guys were talking, uh, you know, there are two losses during the season without JJ last year. And if you look back at what they did during the year, they, including their at indoors, they got four matches at indoors. They four Oh, the first three before playing wake in the finals where they go four two. I don't think anybody got more than two points on them all year you know, without, without counting the two that matches they played without JJ in Texas. And then they go into the NCAA tournament. So, you know, they hadn't lost with Jade with JJ all year. They hadn't given up more than two points with him and then, you know, get beat by, by UNC four two. So I think that was, you know, that probably left, 
you know, at least for the guys, probably a little bit of a bad taste. But no, I mean, you know, Coach Tucker, no, there's no good, no, no sense in harping on it. You can't do anything about it. And and he brought brings in a big class of of talented young guys this year to replace to try to replace what he lost. And you know, they're still going to be right up there, uh, you know, fighting top five with with the rest of those schools. I think that's a really good point you made of just how dominant this team was last season because I, I know he's gone, but we'll talk about it, I'm sure, a little bit in our best of the decade. JJ's 2019 season was one of the better college seasons we saw in the 2010s. I mean, right up there with the Steve Johnsons, other than the fact that he didn't end up winning that NCAA tournament. And you're right, Chris. They beat the national champion Texas Longhorns in that national endorse 4-0. I mean, they, it, was, it was closer than that 4-0 score would seem to indicate, but they did beat them 4-0. Other than those JJ matches, they went to Illinois and they beat them 4-2. They went, you know, at Michigan for the Big Ten tournament and they beat us for us. I think I can say us for Michigan. They beat us 4-2. This team was so good and yet the big thing as always, they were so good indoors. That's the key thing you have to say is this, you know, being in Columbus is a team that spends a lot of their time indoors, and it was reflected on how dominant they could be. You have guys like Martin Joyce, Alex Cobelt in the middle of the lineup, uh, who because they were you know six five, six six, they're just hitting bombs indoors. And yeah, when you look, you know, once they got to Nor- they play that North Carolina team in the quarterfinals, even the match before that against Columbia outdoors in the round of sixteen, that was a closer uh, than you know it was a four one score, but that was a very close match. Uh, you know, there were a couple. I think going to if not three set results that helped decide that and then you know you get to that North Carolina match and it, it went down to the end McNally and Seguin and there were calls whatever we don't have to relitigate all of that we talked about plenty last season but they were right there with a UNC team that obviously played their best tennis down the home stretch and so as you look at their pivot into this season you look at the roster that coach Tucker now brings back because you know in losing Martin Joyce you lose a guy who went 21 and 7 during the dual match season 12 and 2 at the number 4 singles position in Hunter Tubert you lose a guy who was 18 and 5 set uh, in the dual match season 17 and 5 at six singles Alex Cobell a very quiet dominant 20 and 3 season during the dual match 17 and 2 at five singles that's the bottom half of your lineup all gone and yet you know Matt you look at the roster they bring back obviously they lose JJ on top as well but you look at the roster a combination of the talent they bring back plus uh, all of the new guys I mean this is a roster that I think fans should be really excited about during the 2020 season yeah I think so it's going to be different though man I mean really when they when they get out there Ty, Ty Tucker is going to be relying on a lot of young guys. I mean, you know, obviously McNally and Kyle Seelig, they've been around. They've seen it all. You can kind of rely on those guys, you know, towards the top part of the lineup and, and from a leadership standpoint, I think. But really, it's it's a lot different looking squad. I mean, half their roster or even over half their roster are underclassmen. So they're very talented players that are coming in. So, I mean, I... I have no doubts that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be very competitive. But when you lose guys like Wolf, like Tubert, like um, Cobelt, and of course, Martin Joyce, I mean, they were all extremely productive in singles and doubles, really. So, I mean, there, there's ground to make up here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how these young guys play right off the bat. 
And of course, we know in our experience talking with Coach Tucker in the past that Seelig, Joyce, Tubert, Cobelt, they all lived together since their freshman year. That was a very tight-knit group. That was the heart not only of the lineup, but the leadership. And, you know, it's not only that you lose those guys in singles, but there's not going to be a single similar doubles combination from last year that comes back, even, you know, unless he plays Trotter and Seelig together again, and they had played together a little bit at the beginning of the year. Although, as we talk about with Coach Tucker, we, you know, Chris, we watched Coach Tucker break down James Trotter after that loss he took at the National Indoors and you know after that loss we didn't see much of Trotter for the rest of the year and yet you know even before we get into the summer uh, into the summer and fall results you look at the composition of this roster and I texted both of you because the obvious addition uh you know you talk about you bring back McNally you bring back Seelig you uh so those are two you know guys who are certainly going to be into the lineup but now you start to look at some of the new guys they bring in in a uh you know a Cannon Kingsley who the name speaks for itself. He's a junior U.S. Open semifinalist. He made, I think, the semifinals or the finals of the USTA wildcard challenge they had just this past month in December, you know, knocking out guys like Riffis, like Blumberg, playing them close at least as well. And, I mean, it's him. It's Justin Boulez. This is a really talented roster. Yeah, I mean, they've got they've got a lot of talent. And, and you know, after listening, I, I, I kind of had my, my mind thinking one thing lineup-wise and then uh, – and it, directionally for the most part, right? But I think after listening to Coach Tucker, uh, you know, when we, we interviewed him, I got a little more clarity on exactly what he's thinking now. Uh, and so I think we get a pretty good feel for what that lineup lineup looks like. But, you know, they're going to be they're, – they're certainly going to be playing uh, – three or four, uh, you know, freshmen in that lineup. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting, I mean, they're very, very talented, but you know, you know, you always, it's always a gamble when you got to play that many freshmen in their first year in college tennis. The good thing for them is, you know, they're not January guys. So they have been there for the fall. They've put their time in, they've got to gel with the team and understand kind of what the team's about. But, uh, but yeah, it'll, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a very, very young, long, young lineup and it's going to be fun to watch. I'm glad you talked about them coming in in the fall because by them doing that, we got the chance to see them play some college matches. And again, I'm going to keep plugging. You really should go listen to Chris and my conversation with Coach Tucker, if nothing else, for the entertainment value of Coach Tucker saying, Alex, you're clearly not listening to me after I asked him a question a couple of times that he just seemed to, you know, think I, I kept asking the same question. Although he, you know, handled it like a professional, as he always does. But you look at these summer and fall results, Chris, and I, I think I, I don't want to talk about about the projected lineup yet because we'll get into that in a second but the big thing that stands out is we talk about them losing all of those doubles teams well one of the freshman big names who may not even play in singles but is clearly going to be an early contributor is Robert Cash who alongside of John McNally went 13 and 2 this uh fall uh they made I believe the finals of the All-American as a doubles team I think they entered the year as the number two doubles team in the country you add that again along a guy like Cannon Kingsley a Kyle Seelig a Justin Boulay is the lefty so powerful. I mean, I guess, Chris, were there any summer fall results in particular that jumped out to you, either singles or doubles wise from these new guys that makes you think, you know, maybe they are ready to contribute right away, other than the fact that we know their, you know, their talented pedigree that Coach Tucker, when he's recruiting someone, it's obviously because he sees the talent in them. Well, for sure that, I mean, the the two biggest of the freshmen in Kingsley and Boulay both have had you know, some outstanding uh, results, be it, be it summer and fall, you know, Kingsley had a great run at the, uh, 
U.S. Open juniors. Uh, you know, he, he, he beat a whole bunch of guys there. Uh, and then, and then Boulay has followed it up here uh, recently. You know, we were joking with coach Tucker that, you know, Kingsley beat, uh, he beat Liam Draxel like six and six, I think it was maybe at, uh, at the U S open juniors. And then, uh, Boulay's turned around here twice in the last month and beaten him where I think he's given up three games, both times. One of them was like, Oh, and three. And the other was one and two. And for those, for the listeners that don't know, Liam Draxel is one of the other, you know, top 10 and probably in reality, you know, top three or so incoming freshmen this year. And he's playing at Kentucky, uh, another Canadian along with Boulay, but the really, really talented kid, and and Boulay, you know, Boulay's had a, a really good run here um, recently in in between some futures and money tournaments in playing against some of those guys. Uh, even against he, he played McNally in the, in the regionals, went third set with him before losing. But I mean, both of those guys have had outstanding summer and falls, and and it's no wonder you know Coach Tucker spoke so highly of them uh, and and his outlook for them this year. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Absolutely. And I, I want to stick with the freshman for a second because in Justin Boulay is a guy who I, and you guys can confirm this, I texted both of you because I had the chance to see him on livestream.com backslash ATP, the unofficial sponsor of this podcast. And I said, this this guy's a little lefty. He's got the just so much firepower. This is a classic, you know, Ty Tucker goes and steals him and finds himself another college tennis staple for the next four years. And you look at his results he's had, and Coach Tucker mentions this is a guy whose mother was a successful WTA player. His dad was a teaching professional. Uh, this is a guy who made the third round of a challenger in July and lost, you know, 6'4", 6'7", 6'3", to Braden Schnur, who is currently a top 100 player, not to mention the fact a former multi-time All-American at UNC. He then goes to Columbus in September, knocks off Jordi Arcanada, former Texas A&M All-American, 6'6". Six six. He goes in Columbus again as you mentioned, or in East Lansing, he beat Liam Draxel before losing in three sets to former Northwestern standout Strong Kirchheimer. Obviously, in Cannon Kingsland, Kingsley, he made that semifinal at the East Lansing Futures. Um, I, so, you know, there's two standout singles players right off the bat, and Matt, when you look at those two guys, and then you factor in the returning roster as well, in a John McNally, in a Kyle Selig, I'm curious, where do you see McNally and Selig stacking up right now? Because I think at the beginning of the year, it's it's very likely we will see John McNally at the number one singles position, right? Last year, he played the entire yep. season at two. He went 18, uh, 20 and four overall in the dual match season, 18 and four at the two singles position. He's the heir apparent to the one single spot in Ohio State land. And by the way, that's a, that's a heralded spot from Blaz Rolla, Mikhail Torpegard, J.J. Wolf. Those are the last three guys to play the position, and they were three of the best players we saw over the past 10 years in college tennis. So I think he probably starts out there. 
But then, you know, I think for Ohio State, the story is not that they have the Torpegard or the Wolf this year, although maybe they do. And again, Coach Tucker adamant about the fact that he thinks guys in Cannon Kingsland Kingsley and Justin Boulez are hungry to get to the top of the college game. And by the way, with you throwing James Trotter, Selig, McNally, and I believe the other one at this point is Kingsley, and they have four of the top 40 ITA-ranked singles players in the country already. But I think the strength of this team, Matt, is that one through four, all of those guys you know, similar in level. I don't know what the UTRs look like, but any of them could play at any of the positions, and I think they'd all have similar success. And that, to me, is the strength of this Buckeyes team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think those those four, and we're talking about McNally, Kingsley, Selig, and Goulet, those are the top four, right? We know that in some order. I, I don't know the order. I mean, you guys can, um, you know, fill me in if, if you have an idea about that exact order, one through four, but um, I think we can agree on that. And then probably Robert Cash, you know, down there at the lower part, maybe five, six, and then I don't know, you got a couple guys um, fighting for that last spot. So, it's just a different looking squad though, because McNally at one, you know, you, you mentioned the previous players that have manned that position for coach Tucker over the last several seasons. McNally's going to have to step his game up a little bit. I mean, especially when they're playing these elite teams in the country, you know, when they go to national indoors and, and play the top squads, that's a tough position to play. They're, they're all good. Um, I like it. There's no obvious, like weak spots, but do they have enough strength? You know, we've talked a lot about like one, two combos, right? In, in previous uh, podcasts, we mentioned Crawford Riffis, you know, Ito Sigsgard, uh, Holt Kukerman, Blumberg Seguin. Is Ohio State, I mean, can they throw out their top two and match those other combos? You know, we, we didn't even mention Baylor yet. How about uh, Brooksby and Soto? Guys like that, I don't know if Ohio State right now is – I don't know if those top guys are are up to par. You know, we'll have to see. That's where I worry about it a little bit. Um, but, again, there's no obvious weak spots. They're, they're all good. Well, even in conference, and I, I won't – you know, I'm not going to throw Michigan in, but Kovacevic and Alex Brown, yeah. that's a damn good one-two. And so, Chris, yes. same question to you. The depth one through four is certainly there. I think all four of those guys are outstanding players. But to Matt's point, is that something Ohio State is going to have to work through those first couple of months? The fact that there's no clear-cut number one singles. There's no clear-cut top guy as there has been for them over the past 10 years as a program. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think to start the year, it probably is pretty clear-cut. I, I mean, you have to start McNally there, right? Um but it, it's also clear to me in talking to Coach Tucker that whether it's next year or whether it's at some point this year that Cannon Kingsley's the heir apparent to that number one spot. And and I think he I think in his head he sees Kingsley being, you know, his next JJ, his next Torpor Guard, whatever. You know, he's a, just a freshman coming in and and he he couldn't say enough about how he expected him to be a top eight player in the country. Uh, you know, if you're gonna be a top eight in the country. It's, it's tough unless you got a Goyo Risojos to be, you know, top eight and be playing number two. Um, but it can be. So I think we see McNally at the, at the top and, and Kingsley at, at two. But, uh, but yeah, they're definitely down through, down through those, those four. It's, they're going to be, su- you know, super, super solid. And, and I, I agree with Matt at the same time is, is can date, now Mc, Mc, even with McNally at one, he can beat anyone. 
there's no doubt on any given day he could beat anybody in, in college. If he played every, if he played that match, you know, a hundred times, how does he fare? That's going to be the question is, is he going to do it day in, day out or, or, you know, and is he going to be a JJ and go 35 and two or whatever, you know, something no, ridiculous like that. Right. Not. Yeah. And, and you would think that that's probably not the case. He's going to hold his own for sure. And, you know, I, I know it's, it's a Gruskin's conference, but I mean, he's not going to get that many challenges in the conference. Oh, uh, bite right? your tongue, Chris. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're definitely right. And, and again, I think we're, I want to save the Illinois debate for when we talk about Ohio State's place in the Big Ten Conference, although spoiler alert, I think we all are going to have them at number one. But I think Illinois' team this year, they bring back almost everyone but Keenan Mayo. And, you know, Keenan Mayo played half of the year and then the other half, who knows what he was doing last season. So I want to hold that. But you're absolutely right. It's that there are question marks in this lineup. It's not like, oh, you know, last year is, well, Wolf and McNally will be on top, and then they just got to find, you know, they'll get doubles, they'll get Wolf, and they got to find two more. And that's not the case this year. You look at the match calculus for them, it gets a little bit more difficult. So, Chris, uh, let's start. Or actually, you know, I know Chris's thoughts. So, we're going to start with you, Maddie. Uh, sorry, there's just a little New Year's spice for you, Chris, after you take a shot at my Wolverines. Um, but, you know, you look at the projected lineup, and people forget this Ohio State team, as good as they have been at the top of the lineup, as good as they have been just throughout the past 10 years it always starts for them in doubles and last year you look at the matches they played they lost three doubles points all year long they lost to Texas in a match they lost of course no JJ they lost to Michigan they ended up winning that match and then they lost to North Carolina another match they lost so two of their losses when they happened they lost the doubles point doubles will always be a central feature and something coach Tucker's teams have always excelled at and so when you're putting together this projected lineup Matt I think because there are so many different options Coach Tucker could go with five through six, uh, you know, four through six, I guess not, I think we know four of the singles guys, but five and six, uh, given that there are a couple of different ways he could go, you know, a guy we haven't mentioned yet in Tim Siebert, who went, uh, you know, the, the mystery that is Tim Siebert, but he comes back on this roster. You have a James Trotter guy who we haven't mentioned, you know, Siebert went six and three overall in singles in the fall, Trotter went eight and two. Uh, you, you mentioned Robert Cash. I think he more so than singles at the beginning will find himself in that number one doubles position with McNally but you start looking at the different combinations and you know coach Tucker has some difficult choices to make particularly doubles teams wise and I think we're going to see Ohio State play around with their lineup a lot at the beginning what do you think about that Matt yeah I mean do you think it are you talking doubles or or what? I mean, I think in both cases, I think it's going to yeah. be difficult for him not only to find what combo to go with for those top four guys, who's going to play at five and six, but also outside of Cash McNally, what doubles teams he wants to go with. Yeah, it, it, that's that's what's interesting about this team, right? It's, we, we don't really know. I mean, what, what he's thinking. I look for, for Robert Cash to probably fill in for sure in singles at, at number five or six. And then that last spot to me, it really probably comes down to Siebert or Trotter. But, you know, both of those guys, can they really be trusted? I don't know if Coach Tucker trusts either one of them, you know, to the fullest. Maybe, you know, J.J. Mercer in there fighting for that spot. But it's going to be one of those guys to, to round out singles. And then in doubles, yeah, I mean, I expect Kyle Seelig to be in there at some point. He played well with Cobalt last year. Um, you know, just being experienced. I know he's a smaller guy, but he's been around. I think, you know, at the very least, we'll see Kyle Seelig at number three doubles 
Um, and then you already mentioned the team of McNally Cash. Then you've got Kingsley and Boulay. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be options for sure. Tim Siebert, for one, though, he, he never really plays doubles. I mean, as far as I know, he never sees the doubles lineup, even though he's huge. He's like 6'5". Um, so it's probably a good bet that he wouldn't play doubles. James Trotter would probably be more likely to fill that role than Siebert. But I don't know, man. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. To your point, Matt, just real quick on J.J. Mercer, and this is something Coach Tucker mentioned in the podcast, I think he's going to see a red shirt this year, but you're certainly right. That's another highly uh, highly touted recruit that he brings in. But Chris, I mean, look, fall results-wise, Boulez and Trotter, 5-2 and two overall, but that's the only action they saw in doubles. Another combination, you know, Selig and uh, Cannon Kingsley went 0-1. That was the only fall action in doubles that Kingsley saw. And I mean— so under the you know the premise is Coach Tucker's going to have to play with his lineup, but I think we all agree with that. But Chris, you look at the conference, the non-conference schedule that the Buckeyes have scheduled at the you know first three months of the season. I think USC comes to town. You look at some of the other matches uh, they have as well. They go to Georgia. I know. I believe Stanford. Uh, I think they're going to Stanford. I think they're going to Notre Dame. I mean. He's going to have to make some choices pretty quickly because otherwise they're going to find themselves, you know, with five losses like that because Texas A&M comes to town Tuesday, February 11th. I know Ohio State's a lot higher than them right now, but Texas A&M knows exactly what they want to do, one through five singles. So how, you know, how difficult is it going to be for him to figure out those lineup choices immediately given the strength of schedule they have? I don't think it's going to be there. I think the, I don't think that'll be hard at all for him. I, you know, I think the the choices are really going to be doubles. He talked about having kind of two sets of doubles rotations that they already know what they are and he'll probably, you know, work through those. He should have uh, plenty of time starting the year. I mean, he's got a bunch of cupcakes before indoors, right? Northern Kentucky, Dayton, Xavier, Wright state. No, I mean, not even sure that he'll get to to learn a lot from those matches, but then they'll get to, then they'll get the indoor, you know, the, the kickoff uh, and then, and then indoors. And, but before they actually get to indoors, right, they'll get Texas, Arizona state, USC and A&M four really good matches. And he'll learn what his doubles teams are going to look like. In my mind, there's not a lot of debate on, on the singles front. We know, I think pretty assuredly those top four in McNally, Kingsley, Seelig and Boulay in, in some order, right? And per- personally, I think it's McNally's at the top, Kingsley's two, Sea League's three, Boulay's four. We'll see. He's got a lot of playing around he can do there. Um, five, and there's, he, he even said, right, that he Trotter he expected to see play in five, six. I don't see any way Trotter's not in the singles lineup. He's playing in the singles lineup. So, uh, so he'll be at five or six. And that leaves one other spot, which, you know, I have to admit, and I had talked to you before we talked to Coach Tucker, that – I thought it was going to be Siebert. And then when I asked about Siebert, we got the, oh, yeah, I forgot about Tim. (laughs) (laughs) So if if I get the, oh, I forgot about Tim from the coach, that tells me something there, whether that's because he's just not playing at that level. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know what it is, but he certainly wasn't on Coach Tuck, the forefront of his mind. So that tells me that he's got he's got either cash and he actually mentioned Lachonic as well who he said, you know, basically took a couple of years off with, with two, two knee, horrible knees wearing 60 pound braces and, and that he's playing really well now. And he sounded like he had some hopes for him. Maybe he's still a year out. So it sounds to me like we're going to see, you know, my guess is it's Trotter five cash six and, you know, and maybe, 
uh, Siebert gets to uh, gets to make an occasional appearance uh, in the lineup. But, but that sounds, you know, like the singles lineup to me. No, another guy he mentioned, Jacob Oridi, or the redshirt junior. I mean, he he did sound like he would like to give all of these guys a shot at number six singles. And you know what they say, when you've got a bunch of guys playing six singles, you don't actually have a six singles player because you're still trying to figure out the combination. So I agree with you. I think Trotter is a guy to we'll see early on, especially at the five spot. But yeah, number six is an option. And I'm curious, as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula, Chris, what do you think about the Buckeyes' strength of schedule? You're making your ideal line. I assume you and Trevor have calls, and Trevor's like, all right, Chris, who should I put on our Liberty schedule? And you're like, well, here's the way I would approach it, Trev. Um, but for you, when you look at the way Coach Tucker approaches this year's schedule, and I mean, this is something he's done the past couple of years. He wants his guys playing in high-pressure environments early on from the get-go, you know, you, last year at Texas, at Texas A&M. The past couple of years, they've had those Georgia, USC, uh, I think it was Stanford was the other team, or maybe UCLA quads, where they play, uh, they either go out west, they go to Georgia, whatever it is. What do you think of Coach Tucker loading up his schedule like that? Because, you know, rankings-wise, Ohio State's a team I don't think any of us are going to question. We'll see them as a top eight seed this year unless there are injuries or something goes drastically wrong. But what do you think about him loading up that much early on? I think it, I think that's his philosophy. When you get the kind of players he gets, it's a great philosophy because it, especially, I mean, the only, the only drawback usually to setting your schedule up like that is if the teams you schedule turn out to not be quite as good as you expect right because there's even if you lose the matches there is almost no harm at all in losing to a top 10 team you know the top five is like a tenth of a point on the denominator deduction and and top 10 is like two tenths or something it's you know it can't hurt you at all but it can be a huge bonus if you win so yeah he he loaded up a little early right with the with the cupcakes in, in january probably because you know as most coaches will He's got a bunch of freshmen. He wants to get some playing time in. But then before indoors, right, he schedules his Texas, Arizona State, USC, and A&M, four really good teams. Uh, and But they're all, A, they're all in Columbus. Uh, so, you know, the, you know that's going to be a big home, home advantage for them. But I think, you know, it's a very, very smart thing. Those top teams, if, you, if you're really seeking uh, to be one of the top teams in ranking wise headed into the NCAA tournament and now more than ever, right. It's important that you're one of the top eight. Um, you need to do that, especially when you consider that they are unlikely, you know, outside of, as you mentioned, Illinois and maybe another one in, in Michigan or, you know, who knows somebody to get any, any significant uh, bonus points for wins in the conference. So he's almost got to get them between indoors and his non-conference. And it's not just those four, right? Then he's got indoors and then they, uh, they make the trip, the road trip to Georgia and Stanford, two teams that are also going to be very good. So yeah, he's going to, he's going to learn a lot right before the, the, the big 10 season. And I think it's, it's a very smart move on, on his part. If you don't play those, if you don't play the big matches, you don't get the chance to, to earn those points for the big wins. Then, you know, if you don't get the ones you need, you run the risk at this point of not being a top eight, uh, just because you didn't give yourself the opportunity. And when you play a conference in the Big Ten where you're not going to get as many opportunities as if you were in the Pac-12 or the, the SEC or the ACC, uh, and the ACC debatable even this year, but, you know, that's you got to get them out of conference. And so that's what he does. 
Matt, same question to you. What do you think, given you know that we just talked about Coach Tucker having to make these lineup decisions, what do you think about that strategy? Yeah, no, I mean, I do like it. I have to say that I like it. Now, that, that month of February and even into early March, that's a gauntlet, right? I mean, those matches in Columbus, then you've got indoors, then you come back, you're on the road, Notre Dame, Georgia, Stanford. That's tough, but here's the thing that I like about it. I mean, these freshmen, when they come in, they're going to know that every single one of these matches, they're going to have to bring their best if they want to win. I mean, they are going to have to be playing well. So I think from a preparation standpoint, I I like the call in scheduling these because, you know, there's no excuse to step out on the court and be kind of, you know, relaxed or just a little lackadaisical, however you want to put it. They're going to have to be, you know, 100% ready to go in every one of these matches And I think, you know, if they get those juices going early in the season, they can just carry it right through Big Ten play and into the postseason. Yeah. And look, these are the defending national indoor champions. So last year, one could argue, you never want to say a team peaks too soon. And uh, there's always something to the fact that Ohio State is at their best indoors. They always have been. They're two-time national indoor champions over the past decade. Um, I think it was 2014 and then this past year so. We always expect to see the best Ohio State team come out of the gate. But with that schedule, with uh, the Big Ten Conference and the way it's shaping up, let's start with you, uh, Matt. Where do you see this team ending up around NCAA tournament time? Do you see this as a team that may be a sneaky contender to win the indoors? Do you see them running the table during the Big Ten tournament, maybe beating a USC when they come to uh, Columbus, beating a Texas A&M at home? Or do you see this as a team that's going to struggle, maybe you know, take a couple of losses through the month of March and then hit their stride come Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to take a couple of losses. I don't see this team winning all of those matches. You know, those Texas, ASU, USC, A&M, you know, steamroll through national indoors, win that again, and then on the road, Notre Dame, Georgia, Stanford. I do not see them winning every single one of those. I think they'll take a loss or two. Um, but that's not going to necessarily be a bad thing because I think they're going to get into Big Ten play, like you mentioned. They're going to steamroll that for the most part. They're going to win. They're going to go undefeated. They'll win the Big Ten tournament like they always do. I would never bet against Ty Tucker when it comes to the Big Ten. That's just stupid. Um, So I I think those early matches, yeah, they're going to take a couple L's, but you know what? When it's time for postseason, when they get into their conference play, you know they're they're probably not going to lose. So I, I like it. Same question to you, Chris. Yeah, I think they, I don't, I'm with Matt. I don't see how they get out of that stretch of the four big matches before indoors, you know, at least three matches, four if they manage to win their first three make the finals indoors. And then at Notre Dame, Georgia, Stanford, I don't see any way they come out of there with the young, young team they've got as good, even as good as they are and win every single one of those matches. I mean, I think, yeah, I think they've got to take, uh, a loss or two in there, you know, te- some between Texas and USC, even though they're both at home, boy, it would be huge if they beat both of those teams uh, at home. Uh, and then, you know, on the road at both Georgia and Stanford, yeah, they'll probably be potent, probably favored at those, but they're really close. They're on the road. Nobody wants to go and play at Georgia with a young team uh, and, and the crowd they've got there. Uh, although Georgia's got j- almost, almost just as young a group of guys there, but yeah, I, I and then between the indoors, right, you're going to have to play. Obviously, if you win every match, you're going to have to play. the. You'll get down to the finals playing the best other indoor team in the country. They're, they're going to have to take, I would say, 
a couple losses headed into the Big Ten. But then I'm with Maddie. There's, you know, I don't, I don't think they lose a match in the Big Ten. So whatever they lose between, you know, leading up to that last match at Stanford, that's probably it until they, uh, until they hit the NCAA tournament. Yep. So we're we're not going to talk about this team uh, because they didn't end the the year in the top ten. But you talk about them running through that Big Ten schedule. Are we sure we are not underrating this Illinois team? Because this is an Illinois team that brings back almost everyone from last year. And then in terms, you know, they bring back an Alex Kovacevic. They bring back an Alex Brown, both guys who made challenger semifinals this past fall. I mean, they bring back a guy in all day Zeke. You're not going to find a better competitor in college tennis. You know, I guarantee you we're going to be treated to a Zeke Clark-Kyle Seelig matchup because that's just the way the gods work. Um, I mean, Again, I guess I'll start with Max. I, I, I know exactly what Chris is going to say, but you don't see a scenario. I think the match is in Columbus this year, but you don't see a world where Illinois, you know, an experienced veteran Illinois team steals one from Ohio State, steals the Big Ten title from them the way they did when they had Jared Hiltzik and Alex Vukic and Aaron Hiltzik that I think was a couple of years ago, that really good Illinois team, because I really do think there's a world where they do. We've talked about the youth of this Ohio State team, you know, endlessly throughout this podcast, what's the one thing Illinois has? It's experience. And there are times, particularly given the no-ad format in college tennis, where that experience in the big moments matter. And look, I'm not going to get into the, we don't have to litigate hooking in the past, but there's bad blood between these Ohio State and Illinois team. This is certainly as good of a rivalry as you will find in Big Ten tennis. You don't think, Matt, that this Illinois team could push Ohio State for a regular season title and maybe even knock them out of top eight seed uh, contender uh, potential, just given that, you know, if, assuming they lose some early matches trying to figure stuff out? Because I really do think there's a scenario like that that exists. Man, I got to tell you, Alex, you are making a compelling case. Great points there, man. They really are. Guess what? I don't New year, care. new me, Maddie. New I, year, I, new me. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't care because it's not happening, okay? <laughs> don't bet against Ty Tucker in the Big Ten. You're smarter than that. Please don't do it. You know Ohio State's going to win this conference. They're going to win the tournament. And then they're going to go to the NCAA tournament and have a shot, you know, at, at the quarterfinals is what I think. So, no. Illinois is a good team. I'm not denying that. Yes, I love Kovacevic. I love Brown. Zeke Clark is awesome. They're not beating Ohio State. Okay, that match is in Columbus, right? It's not happening. So after all those points that you made, I mean, I, I hear you. I'm with you, but uh-uh, it's not happening. Also, new addition to the Illinois roster from Valparaiso, 6'8", Kwesi Kenyatta, who has lost to yours truly, Alex Gruskin. So it's another reason for me to root for this Illinois team. Chris, I want to give you a chance to say to me what you said off the mic about my Illinois idea. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I'll, I'll give you this. And, those, the, and the problem is you keep saying Kovacevic, A.B., all day Zeke. Now, and what I'm missing, what I'm missing is where's the rest? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but what about five and six for Ohio State? You're that much more confident in Trotter and whomever than you are in, say, a Vuk Budich or a Kawaisi or whatever, you know, a Noah Cliff, however they end up doing the bottom of the lineup, because I'm not, I feel pretty similar. I mean, I like Trotter's game a lot. I think he could have a big year, especially if he's playing five singles. I'll take Trotter over anybody that, that Illinois could throw out there at five. Anybody. Matt, you feel the same way? Yes. And coaching, man, here, here's the thing. 
Ty Tucker's the GOAT, man. This guy owns <laughs> this conference. Do not bet against him. Do not. Just don't do it. It's not smart. It's bad business. That's 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 a very good point. 14 straight regular uh, regular season Big Ten titles for that's a reason. That's it. I, yes. Yeah, that's fair. So we yeah, talked I, about where they stack up in the conference. Sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say, I think the other issue there is, you know, it, there is a world, right, where Illinois plays a great match and manages to beat Ohio State, right? I mean, it, obviously anything can happen in college tennis. That's why they play the matches. And if they, they get everything to go their way, they can they can beat them. The, the problem is that even if they could do that, they still have to run the table. And they're not so good. Ohio State is so good that somebody could sneak up maybe and try to get one win over them in conference. After that, I don't. it's not going to happen again. They're just that good that maybe they get – someone jumps up and bites them once Illinois probably, you know, even if they were the team that did it probably isn't going to go run the table outside of that. They're going to, they're still going to get challenged. So I just, I don't see sure. Could Ohio state take a loss? Maybe I still don't see them not winning the conference and not winning the tournament. But look here, they've got Michigan and Illinois, both in Columbus, right? I mean, that to me, that tells the story. If, if we were in Champaign, for that Illinois match, then maybe, you know, I, I'd, I'd hesitate a little bit more in, in that pick. But the fact that that match is in Columbus, there is not a snowball's chance that I'm going to bet against Ohio State. <laughs> I, I, there's just not. That's fair. Yeah. And the fact that they may take an early loss to, say, a Texas, a USC, a Texas A&M right. at home. Ty Tucker, if he loses once during a year at home, he certainly will not lose twice. So I do like that argument from both of you. And obviously, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here just to keep things interesting. But we've talked about how they stack up in the Big Ten. Let's talk nationally. I mean, the two big questions, not only, you know, ITA indoors, NCAA is where you think they're going to end up. But the big thing, given the new format, and we talked to Coach Tucker, and he is not the biggest fan in the world of the switch to the round of 16, although he's just not the biggest fan of change in general. But let's start with you, Chris. Do you see this team you know, competing for a top eight seed, a lock for a top eight seed? And just where do you stack them overall in the national conscious of college tennis this year? I, th- I hate to say they're a lock, but I think they're pretty close. Uh, it, you know, with all the opportunity they're going to have to win big matches like like the ones they have with, you know, that they're going to have it indoors where they're very good with Texas, with USC, with Georgia, Stanford. You know, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to earn big points that they would have to really they would have to lose more than they won in those matches to kind of knock them out of that that top eight area. So I don't, I don't think they're a lock, but I think they're a very good bet uh, to be a a top eight seed. Yeah. I I think, Oh, I don't know. I want to hear Matt's answer first before I get mine. Let's put it this way. They should be a top eight seed. They should. I mean, they're, they're a top eight team. They're going to have enough matches against those squads that we talked about to where they should be a top eight unless something goes terribly wrong. Um, I, I expect them to host a super regional and make the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament. I do expect that, but that's probably where the buck stops though. For me, honestly, see, I, I don't see them as a final four team this year. 
again, not this podcast, but hey, great shop. That's where the buck stops for the Buckeyes. Uh, we always appreciate a good pun as we enter 2020. But yeah, that's the really interesting thing. And I think one of my favorite points from Coach Tucker during that Correct Interviews podcast, and it was sort of an offhand comment he made when talking about the parody right now in college tennis. This season in particular, teams four, th- he said teams four through 20, that may be a little bit too much, but teams four through, we'll say 15, there's a lot of similarities between the, t- uh, between the rosters in that there's a lot of talent spread out throughout the country. And then each, ro- you know, four through 15, there's some question marks. So same, you know, to you, Chris, on that idea of the Buckeyes, if they're a top eight seed, they get to host that round of 16 match. And let's say they get to the quarterfinals. It's a young team, but it's extremely talented. We've talked about Cannon Kingsley. We've talked about Justin Boulez and all of these guys endlessly. So where do you see this team stacking up nationally? Is this another, you know, maybe quarterfinals like last? Because I think last season's team probably on paper, at least going into the year, maybe a little, uh, I don't know. I mean, I really like the, explo- you know, in Joyce, Cobalt, and Tubert, we knew exactly what we were going to get last year. And there's some comfort in familiarity. But I feel like this team, while the floor may be lower there's an argument to be made that the ceiling is higher for the 2020 Buckeyes it, that, that may be one of the few non-crazy takes you've had uh, I mean that's <laughs> I, think, I think that the floor is definitely lower but you're right it, it's very possible that the ceiling this the ceiling could be higher I mean it's hard to say that when you lose JJ Wolf but no they 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 definitely bring in uh, when you're bringing in the guys they are they They've added a little, a little more depth. Maybe it, we just got to see how the freshmen play out. But, but I'm, I'm right there with Matt. I think, I, I think they're a good bet to be a top eight. I think they will be a top eight. I think to not ha- for that to not happen, they probably need to lose both the Texas and USC matches, and then probably a Stanford match or something. You know, something crazy like that, or have a really bad indoors, right? Uh, Otherwise, they're just going to pick up enough big wins uh, that that they'll be a top eight. But I think that's I think it'll be a very similar result to last year. I think they get the top eight. They'll they'll get a home that that gives them a host match in the round of sixteen, weather pending. It could be very advantageous, right? If it's if it's an indoor match, um, but but you never know. Then then let's say they make they make that uh, that round of eight and they go to the quarters. I don't see. I mean. When you're looking at teams like Florida, North Carolina, USC, Baylor, yep. I don't know how they get by one of them to make the Final Four. Uh, so it's obviously it can happen, but I, I would I would place my bets on them finishing in the quarters just like they did last year. Yeah. To Matt's point about Coach Tucker being the goat, um, I mean. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I have a lot of relationships with a lot of these coaches now, and I'm not going to try and compromise them by saying one is better than the other. But again, I'm going to reemphasize this point. A Coach Tucker team is ready to play doubles at the end of the year. They know their plays. They know their system. They know exactly what they want to do to execute and take home that doubles point. And I think given the parity, as we mentioned, between all of these teams at the top, that doubles point is going to be that much more important. And in Robert Cash and McNally, you have one of the top doubles teams in the country, and there's enough talent on the rest of the roster, enough experience uh, to build around that. So I think the doubles point, as always, is going to be critical for these Buckeyes, especially because... Because, look, it's no ad scoring. On any given day, anyone can win, and this team certainly has talent. So we'll wrap up here again. It sounds like quarterfinals is the spot for you guys. Matt, then Chris? 
yes, definitely quarterfinals. Right now, I do not have Ohio State as a Final Four team. I just I don't see it at this point. Chris, yeah. So my 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 final prediction, I think, is that uh, that they that obviously they win the Big Ten. They make to NCAA's. I think they host that Super Regional. They get to you know they get to Stillwater. And then they uh, they probably drop out in the first match in the in the quarterfinals there, and and that's where the season ends for them. I'm fairly certain I have predicted like three teams to win the national title thus far, so I'm like a little afraid to even give predictions at this point. Um, yeah, they're probably going to win another Big Ten title. Ugh, that's devastating to say. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that's well, going to happen. Really jumping out on a limb there, Greg. <laughs> Well, look, what am I supposed to say? I am a Michigan fan. Let's be clear through and through. It hurts always. But I'm also an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I'd be lying if I said, you know, Mikhail Torpegaard wasn't one of, if not my favorite player of the 2010s because he just dropped the hammer. And I mean, it's a really fun team. It's a really talented team. I will say this. Do not be surprised if this team, you know, makes a semifinal, a final at the indoors because it's Ohio State. Indoor tennis is what they're best at. They're always ready to roll at the big tournaments, especially early in the year because there are a lot of young, talented teams and in particular a team in Florida that does not play a lot of indoor tennis. That's not going to be their strength is the indoor portion, but they're going to be a lot better come the end of the year. But yeah, maybe because, you know, next year all this team loses is the redshirt senior Kyle Selig. Maybe at the start of the 2021 season, this is a team we could all circle as the 2021 national champions, especially if everyone stays. stays. But you're right. It's probably a year too soon. I think if this team makes the semifinals, it's a really good year for the Buckeyes. I'm never going to count out Coach Tucker, Coach Cronaghy, Coach Schilling. But yeah, I I have to, again, it's group thing. You guys are probably right. You make a lot of good points. NCAA quarterfinals is probably where this team ends up right around there. Although I'm going to stick with my Illinois theory. I think Ohio State may win the regular season title, but I'm taking Illinois to win the postseason title because I really like this Illinois team and I'm sure we'll talk about them throughout the rest of the season. So that's just a little hot take for you guys to end it off. But with that in mind, you know, we've talked about, again, teams 10 through 3 uh, in the 2019 year-end rankings and of course our last two teams last year's national finalists Wake Forest and Texas on the horizon over these next two weeks to have you guys ready for the kickoff of the dual match season which is oh so close as you mentioned I'm looking at Ohio State's schedule right now their first dual match Wednesday January 15th two weeks from today or at least two weeks of when we're recording from when we are recording this podcast so it will be here before we know it and of course if you've missed any of the other teams we've talked about on this college contender series be sure to go check out our website crackedrackets.com you can find Matt's wonderful write-ups on each of the teams you can find Chris and my interviews with all the head coaches from the top 10 on our cracked interviews podcast and of course we have broken down all of these teams on mini break podcasts as well so go give those a listen if you've missed out on any of them of course we will keep you up to date all year long with our coverage on you know Twitter Instagram Facebook YouTube and of course the website it's all at cracked rackets for you listeners so go give that a look I will ask as always like rate subscribe review this podcast great shot podcast the cracked interviews podcast yeah there's a lot of good stuff on there at this point if you want you know i know we're a couple days past it now but we had some really good tennis in the 2010s and if you've missed any of that our best of the decade series very re, uh, very listenable to despite it being a little bit past that so i promise you will enjoy those also of course it's a new year you all have new year's resolutions for a lot of us chris i'm looking at you i see that belly peeking out through the skype camera we have new year's resolutions 
resolutions, right? You want to get in shape, and I can think of no better way in getting in shape than to change up your diet a little bit, and I think the best way to do that, try out our new sponsor, AeroBars product. It's a delicious you know, energy bar, tennis-specific, more potassium than a banana. It's not going to melt all over you if it's a sunny day. I've been out here in Florida hitting a little bit. I've needed a boost, and I've always turned to the AeroBars in my bag, and not once have I come off with chocolate on my face. Well, actually, that's not true, but the chocolate was from a Reese's that melted in the bag that I saw, and I was like, do I eat this? This might have been here for a couple of months. I haven't seen this tennis bag in a while. Wait a second. It's a Reese. Of course I'm going to eat it, and that ended up all over my face, but it wasn't the AeroBar. The AeroBar made me feel much better. The AeroBar gave me the strength to go get that W out on the green clay, and of course, for you listeners who want to get it a little cheaper than they're offering, you can use our promo code CRACK. ED30, that's Cracked30, to get 30% off your order on their website, aerobar.com. Again, huge shout-out to them, and we will be announcing the winner of our John Isner signed racket giveaway shortly. Uh, With that in mind, Matt, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts? Yeah, man, we got duels coming up here just a couple weeks away. I'm really looking forward to it, ready to rock and roll. It's going to be fun. Um, And certainly, we'll revisit after the Big Ten tournament. we uh, We will reconvene. Uh, I know you picked Illinois there. I'm not just going to let that slip under the cracks. So we'll make <laughs> to, uh, we'll revisit this again at the no. end of April for sure. Let's be let's be clear. I'm picking Michigan to win. I'm just saying, don't be surprised. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if Illinois ends up taking the title, I appreciate that you guys hold me accountable. Chris, are you moving to Virginia yet? What's your deal? Yeah, no, no, no. But uh, but but first and foremost, Westoff, please capture that snippet of Gruskin's crazy take. Maddie, Maddie and I are both going to replay that after yep. the Big Ten tournament and give our best Stephen A. Smith, you know, you know, rants about how nuts Gruskin is uh, and how right we were. But but all, all that being said, no. Yeah. I mean, look, we've, it's the, the, the big kick to me for the for the dual match season is the kickoff weekend, which comes, you know, January 25th. So basically the weekend three weeks from now. So three weeks from now, we start we get our first glimpse into some some really competitive there are some good matches before then but that's where we get to see everybody play uh punch their tickets to indoors and then and then some good matches prior to indoors so really you know three weeks and and we and we really start rolling in the good tennis and uh, i can't wait to see it i think the twitter account's called the old takes exposed yeah that illinois take certainly could pop up out there when it looks devastatingly <laughs> wrong and of course the man who makes all of these takes presentable for you listeners are super the men i should say our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff who have a f- of an editing job to do as always and again new year same them and we always appreciate the work because it doesn't matter what decade it is they will kill it for us day in day out and we are so appreciative of that but for my wonderful co-host matt the crack Stokowiak and Chris Hallioris. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire teams, both at Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maddie, Chris, for the first time in the new year, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 